Boom! There it is, ladies and gents! My hero! I ain't got a voice like these guys do, but we're ready to rock and roll. Why? Because when you got your money in order, that is my hero. That's the best way to rock things in this yeah. kind of county, at least on a post-COVID level. So here we go. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. I'm excited we get to go round two. Ham, drop some heat, baby. All right, all you business pros out there, before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder, please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, and drop a review. Help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in those podcast rankings. We'll sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it, and if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz, schedule your time, don't forget to follow us on all our social medias, at Business Bros Pod. Alright everybody, we're so excited and honored to bring yet another incredible guest to the Business Bros Pod. It has been 14 months and 321 episodes since we last saw today's guest, but she is back for round two with the Business Bro. Our guest today has been teaching and guiding people to their financial freedom, the Dave Ramsey way, for the past six years. Having spent the previous 15 years in professional sports and commercial real estate, our guest has both the competitive drive and the financial know-how to motivate, empower, and educate her clients in exiting the rat race and planting their flag of financial independence. Our guest knows that you can't do it all on your own. You need guidance resources, accountability, communication, and evaluation on your journey. Whether you're working one-on-one or in a group led by today's guest, you are sure to increase your financial literacy, identify and overcome your financial triggers, save for emergencies in retirement, and experience a more stable future and carefree life. Tune in today to learn how our guest can help you improve your financial position now and set yourself up to retire with grace. Joining us today from Grace Financial Coaching out of Virginia Beach, Virginia, welcome back to the show, Suzanne Johnson. Woo! What's up, guys? All right, all right, all right. Suzanne, thank you for coming back. 14 months, 321 episodes later. How you like Who's it? counting? Who, who did that math? Who, which one of you sat around and counted that crap out? <laughs> oh, that guy right there. Dude, seriously, I think we were joking around, but I was literally sitting in this chair 14 months ago like, ah, oh, you know, I'll, I'll be visiting San Diego again in no time. I'll be back there in no time. And that hasn't happened. Hasn't. COVID. <laughs> yeah. We're going to just shut down for two weeks. No problem. We'll be back. It'll be all right. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It has been a year, man. I mean, it's so good to see you guys. I, I was commenting on James hair earlier. I, he had a little COVID flow going on over the last 14 to 16 months. <laughs> yeah, well, it happens. It happens. It happens. All right, let's jump into this thing. 
So uh, COVID happened. It is a thing. It went, uh, you know, there was a lot of different situations. A lot of people have had multiple different money issues. Some people have lost jobs. Some people went on unemployment and ended up in better situations in unemployment than they were in their jobs. Some people decided that they didn't want to go back to their career at an office and they've been working from home. What has been your experience like when you're talking to your clients in a post-COVID world? Yeah, it's it's been unbelievable. Um, I've got clients who are in the military where nothing changed. Absolutely nothing changed. They did that little tax break. They, they took they put extra money in there. They took the money back out. They're they're totally the same as they were 14 months ago. I've got clients who are still have not been able to find work. I've got clients who have gone back to school during this time. Mm. And actually, not necessarily taken on debt, but gone into a position of, okay, I'm going to spend money strategically to make myself a better candidate when this is all over. And they still haven't been able to find anything. And, and they're, they are a much better candidate than they were going in. And uh, yeah, and then there are people who just completely left the workforce. Men, male, female, it doesn't matter. They've completely left the workforce. Um, it, whether that ties back to their childcare situation the school district situation, it really, obviously, it's all a matter of personal choice, right? We're not going to judge anybody for their personal choices in that matter. Um, but it's just made more sense for them, unfortunately. You know what? It's not worth me going back into this office anymore. It's not worth me even working from home when the kids can't even go to school anymore and I'd have to pay somebody to sit in the house anyway. So it's really interesting, the dramatic changes in our lives that this has uh, either the dramatic changes or the lack of dramatic changes that this has made in our lives over the last 14 months. It really depends on who you are. Three of the last uh, four real estate deals I've done, they've moved out of state, right? I'm in California and I understand it's expensive to live here in San Diego, but um, people are cashing out and they're moving and they're leaving because I don't have to go to my job anymore. I don't have to go to a particular location. I'm taking my, you know, up to $500,000 as a married couple, or, you know, exemption for selling my home, eating up these profits that I'm taking from, you know, the equity in houses going ridiculous. We're not just doing this for money. We're doing it for a shitload of money. And it's a shitload of money when they sell their houses, a shitload of money that they're getting and they're bouncing. They're leaving California. Uh, Tell me a little bit about, you know, before we get into, you know, whether that's a good idea, bad idea, for the people who don't know, what is the Dave Ramsey philosophy when it comes to, I mean, the, the basics of, of, of their personal finance? Yeah. So Dave Ramsey, that's the program that I'm tra trained in. I'm a master financial coach of Dave Ramsey's programs. So for the two people out there who haven't heard of Dave Ramsey, and there were four, there used to be four, I was one of them. Uh, <laughs> he really uh, harps on having zero debt and living debt free. Um, and it might not necessarily be because it's a math equation. It's because it's a psychological equation. And we as humans <laughs> tend to want to get to our end game as quickly as possible, right? Um, mm -hmm. We want to get the bigger house faster. We want to get the nicer car faster. So we might take on debt to do that. So it's not necessarily that debt cannot be used as a tool, um, you know, especially in real estate. You will talk to commercial real estate people where I used to work and they'll say, you need X number of debt servicing in order to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Um, it's not so much that it's just a matter of our psychological default is to keep getting and getting and getting and getting it sooner. So we want to try to live without as much debt as humanly possible because we're kind of just inclined to live with it because we want to get to the end game as quickly as possible. Uh, also to have an emergency fund. 
also to be putting 15% into retirement. Also, to go back to your point, no more than 25% in tied up in a mortgage or rent. And that is almost literally impossible in California. I grew up in New York. I spent the majority of my life in New York, right outside of New York City. And then I moved to San Diego for five years for apparently I, and then I went to college in Connecticut. Apparently I just love spending money. <laughs> like, let's just pick three of the most expensive, highly taxed state in the country and let's just move there. I mean, what? if I moved to New Jersey next, I wouldn't be surprised at this point. So, um, but you got to take your background with you. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so I lived there for five years and I watched the market. Uh, I distinctly remember right before I moved to San Diego, it's funny you brought this up. A girlfriend and I, I, I flew out to San Diego. I was looking for a place at the time just to rent. She was looking for a place to buy. She was in the University City area, UTC area, and we were looking at condos that hadn't been updated since 1980 something. And back then they were going for 600. Mm. They're now going for 1.2 million and they're just as unupdated as they were <laughs> seven or eight years ago. Yeah. It's true though. That's just, it's true. That's the way it is. The market is just that ridiculously hot. Now, yeah. when the market is that hot, it always sounds good uh, when you have equity in your house, right? But the truth of the matter is, it doesn't really matter until the day you sell. So unless you're gonna sell that property, then the number doesn't really fluctuate. However, there are a lot of people right now that I'm talking to who are taking advantage of some of these low interest rates and they're taking short-term debt and rolling it into long-term debts. Based on the Dave Ramsey model, why is that not a good thing to do? Even though on my, you know, my cash flow statement on my PL, I mean, I mean on my on my budget, it really frees up some cash. Why is that not the way to go? Yeah, that is a great example. The um I think from just the beginning standpoint, why do we want to take something that we're paying off faster and take longer to pay for, right? So just intuitively, we can say, well, it would be great to get rid of this quicker, right? Okay, so there's reason number one. But then you look at your monthly P&L, your monthly budget, and you say, whoa, 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 I'm paying $700 towards this debt right now. If I extend it, I'm only paying $200. I'm making this up, obviously. Um, the problem with that is, Again, we're maybe we're rolling into a lower interest rate. So it's like, oh my God, now it's only $200 a month and it's a whole point less or two points less than it was prior to that. Uh, the problem is there's that level of psychology I just talked about a few minutes ago where it's like we are inclined to take that $500 difference of a $700 a month payment into a $200 a month payment and it's going to magically disappear unless we pay attention mm. to it. And mm. guess what? Would you have been better off sucking it up and paying that $500 extra to, for that $700 a month, whatever the heck it is, personal loan, mortgage, rent, whatever the, the money that you owed is, yeah, you probably were, unless you really have a tight budget, you have an accountability partner, you have some sort of software you're using, I don't care if it's every dollar, I don't care if it's Quicken, I don't care if it's Excel, and you're tracking your spending, and you can prove to me that that $500 difference is actually gonna make like this massive change in your life, you probably should just suck it up and continue paying off that so-so interest rate instead of going to the lower interest rate. Again, this is all psychology-based. This is all based on what we do as humans. I am not trying to make anybody feel bad about their individual spending habits. You it can't handle the truth. It's the truth. Amen. It's the truth. 
You know what? And, and and let's harp on those habits because let's face it, that's really the result. No matter where you are in life, it's you're there because of the result of your habits. Yes, extraneating circumstances happen, right? We're not everybody's dealt a great hand. We're all actually most likely dealt a shitty hand at the beginning, anyways. However, over your lifetime, you tend to be in a situation based on the choices that you've made in life, right? If you look in the mirror, you don't like the way you're physically looking. Well, it's probably because of the choices that you've made not working out or eating or whatever it is. If you look at your bank account and you don't like where it's at, it's because of the choices you've made up until that point. So as you know, bad as it sounds to pick on people for their choices, this is really what we have to look at. We really have to look at your your habits of spending. So when you roll over the credit card debts and the car payments and you throw them into a mortgage, the problem is not really the math equation that happens there. That you lowered your payments, that's great. But what you're saying here is you haven't fixed the habit yet. You haven't fixed the, the actual problem-causing thing that is affecting your budget. It's not that you rolled all the debt. It's that What's going to happen two years down the road or a year down the road after you've done that? What tends to happen? Yeah. One of my favorite questions to ask people is if you continue down this path, X path, spending, overspending. I, I had a client I started working with. We were Once we put the numbers on paper, they were $3,300 a month over budget. <laughs> their, income, their income was about $7,000 a month. <laughs> So they were $3,300 over budget a month on an income of $7,000. Eight, eight months later, when they were like head in hand, you know, head in hands, head, I, I can't, I'm, we're still $100 over budget. I look at them and I'm like, you guys were $3,300 over budget in January. And we're only $100 or $200 over budget now, eight months later. That is a massive, massive improvement in your habits, in your in your psyche, right? One of the biggest problems we had was this couple was going to the ATM over and over and over again. And at the end of the month's budget, we'd have $1,800 in cash withdrawals and no one knew where it came, where it went. No mm. one knew where it went. No one knew if it went to pizza on Friday night. No one knew if they bought a new car. Like <laughs> we had no idea. So it is mostly psychological. Absolutely. And the, the, the level of accountability you have, even if you are married, even if you do call your best friend and you guys go through financial coaching separately, but together, and you have that accountability partner, you really need someone who loves you enough to say no. Mm. That's tough. That is tough because I know like in my household, for example, my, my wife, she like she, she wants to know what's going on, but she doesn't really want to know what's going on because it requires her to be involved on a, on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. However, if I ever told her we can't afford that, then she'd be worried, right? What, what's the problem when you have uh, couples like that? I'm using my own as an example. What kind of trouble can we fall into when you only have one spouse really managing funds versus the other? So actually, in reality, in, in a normal married couple, um, there is only one spouse managing the day-to-day. -day. We have nerds and we have free spirits. So hmm. guess which one your wife is? Oh, she's, <laughs> she's free spirit for sure. She's a free nerd. spirit yeah. all day long. And you're the nerd. And what we have to do is we actually have to take those two levels of personality and we have to bring them together a minimum of once a month. 
if mm. if we set the budget so let's say you know we're we're recording this mid month right now let's say it was 2 weeks ago and it was the last day of the previous month and we said okay hey free spirit wife uh, you know, nerd husband, let's go sit down and let's have a budget committee meeting. I understand that that sounds insanely formal and like who the hell is walking up to their spouse and going, Hey, sweetheart, let's have a budget committee meeting right now. I tried that, I tried that once. And she's like, do not treat our family like a business. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. She's really good about, uh, about our finances, by the way. Yeah. But I mean, obviously you guys are very successful. So if there was someone behind the scenes spending, you know, $3,300 over a budget a month, I don't think you guys would be here. So um, it's, we've got to take it from the standpoint of if you're the nerd, right? We're talking to your wife, how are we spinning it? I mean, think about a political campaign. How are we spinning this to the opposite party? How are we spinning this to people in our own political party who might not agree with whatever bill we want to have passed or whatever law we want to put through? We have to put some sort of spin on it. So in this particular situation, what I would probably say, start with your wife, free spirit. And 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 really, honestly, everybody, it is not a male-female thing. It is not a male-male thing. It is not a female-female thing. It is really dependent on the individual personalities. I am the nerd. My husband is the free spirit. So it's the opposite in our household. You, if I said to my husband, let's go sit down and do a budget before we got married, he'd be like, uh, yeah, we're not married. I'm out of here. Peace out, sweetheart. Like, see you later. You're um, I'm going to show up at the, at the altar. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, there were, please, the invitations wouldn't even have gone out. So we, we have to know our audience. We're marketing we're, every single moment. I mean, hello, you're in real estate. Every single moment of our lives, we're marketing something. We are mm -hmm. marketing something to another individual, whether it's our political beliefs or the fact that we want to have a budget committee meeting with our spouse. We are marketing it <laughs> to someone else. So know your audience. If your spouse is, and it doesn't sound like your spouse is like this dramatic, but if your spouse is, oh my God, I don't want to know. Do not show me anything about money. They may have actually suffered a trauma in their family when they were growing up that money was related to. Hmm. And so you may not know what that individual situation is, but if that is their like complete adverse, horrific reaction, then we know, okay, we, we can't use the word money. We can't use the word budget. We can't use the word cash. We can't use the word over budget. We're going to like actually re-traumatize this person. Um, <laughs> but if you just have somebody who was like my husband, who was like, I, I really, I don't know what I don't know. And he was very honest about it. He's like, you know what? I've never had a budget. I might not be opposed to it, but I just don't know what I don't know. Mm. And so that was our relationship when we started talking about money. So it really depends on your audience. You've got to spin it for your particular audience. I love that. I love that because, um, you know, my wife's the same way. Like we, I met her when I was working at Wells Fargo. Right. And in my household, we always, I mean, we, we talked about money all the time. We knew we didn't have any. That was, that was the, the conversation that we had in our household. Right. We knew we were broke. Uh, we knew how broke we were because dad always had his budget and he was always open and sharing with it. So we knew how broke we were, but we knew that we didn't have any money. Uh, and then when I met the wife, we were working at the same place, doing the same job, almost making the same amount of money, maybe like a quarter difference an hour, maybe 50 cents different an hour. But when it came down to the end of the day and I'd be like, oh, how much did you make? It was a wall. Like, we do not talk about money. You do not talk about my paycheck. You do not look at my paycheck. 
Uh, and it took a long time to break down that barrier. Even to this day, we use an envelope accounting system. So, you know, uh, when when payday happens, we, I go to the bank and I pull out cash and I get a, a well, there's an envelope for, for money. There's an envelope for gas. There's an envelope for fun money. And then she gets her cash allowance. I get my cash allowance. And we pretty much stick to that budget. And we've, you know, we've increased our budget a little bit. But for the most part, that's the budget that we stick to. And then that gives us the ability to take all our other money, every other revenue piece, and do what we want with it. Uh, apply it to a debt if we had a debt to, to, to crank out or apply it to a vacation if that's what we wanted to go to. Or right now, we're redoing our entire backyard. And that's that's a whole other project. But the cash is there to do it, right? And it's, it's a freeing, like... I have weight literally feels like it's lifted off my shoulders because we're able to stick to this. And she's not the budgeting nerd like I am. Right. But she knows, Hey, we're spending more on groceries this month because she manages the grocery envelope. Right. She sees it. She's like, how is it possible that, you know, we're spending all this so much and it's two weeks in. I'm like, you, have you gone to Walmart lately? It's gotten way more expensive in the last couple of months. So, you know, but she's there. She's, she's visually seeing what's happening, even though, She's not the nerdy type, right? So, you know, using those different strategies that you're talking about and kind of working with the different personality types, you can still find a way to win together. Absolutely. And I want to encourage people who are listening to you talk about the envelope system right now who are like, envelopes, cash. I'm a millennial. I'm Gen Z. What the hell is cash? They just they just zoned out, right? They just completely tuned out. I want to encourage you. There are multiple budgeting apps out there. I don't carry cash and I am what they call an old millennial. I am the ah. Oregon, Oregon trail generation of millennials. The very, very, very beginning of the millennials. And I haven't carried cash in years, years. I have an app on my phone that tells me what level my envelopes are at. You can mm. use every dollar. You can use good budget. You can use mint and YNAB have gotten a lot more um, kind of envelope category savvy over the last few years. Uh, but good budget and every dollar are specifically envelope driven, like you just said. So it's literally like having envelopes on your phone and you're dragging and dropping the individual transactions and you go, oh my gosh, this is how much I have left in this particular envelope for the rest of the month. Um kudos to your wife for realizing that the groceries have gone up over the last few months our eggs here out here um we go to aldi so they must have like a deal with a local farmer because our eggs are 48 cents a dozen what they were they were 63 cents one week over next they went up 15 cents so oh, yeah 48 hell no <laughs> Exactly. 48 cents to 63 cents. You're like, oh my God, lady, stop complaining. But 15 cents on top of 48 cents, that's like a 25% increase. That's that's crazy. One product. That's just one product. One product. product. Right. Exactly. So yeah. So she sees her envelope. She's opening her physical envelope and she's going, it is the 13th of the month. How the hell am I going to feed this family for the rest of the month? So yep. she's seeing it physically. You don't have to necessarily see it physically. You can actually see it on your phone and download those apps and drag and drop those transactions so that on the 13th of the month, you know that you have $200 left in your grocery budget. You know that you have $400 left in your grocery budget. You know you got nothing left in your grocery budget. And that way you can track your spending and keep yourself accountable. 
What about reconciling? Like, you know, I'm, I'm literally going through uh, the chapter in the book for my students in class where we're going over, you know, what's a checking account? What's a savings account? What's what's a check register? Right. And and it's funny because I talk about checks and they look at me like I'm crazy. They don't they don't write checks anymore. They just use Venmo yeah. or Cash App or whatever it is. Same thing. Right. Electronic fund transfer. That's what's happening here. Same thing. But uh, but my my point is like. We have so many apps that track a lot of these things. How important is it to stick to like a check register to actually look at what the bank recorded compared to what you actually spent? So I hate to say this. It actually is not as important as it used to be for a few reasons. One, people are writing way, way, way less checks. So there, when we are, perfect example, we just had um, a window replaced in our master bedroom. These, this company doesn't even, it's a contracting company. They don't even take checks anymore. It is mm. Visa or MasterCard. That is it. And so we used our Visa debit card and that was fine, right? We moved the money over. We knew it was going to be a very expensive window. We were replacing a whole bank of windows. So we moved the money over from savings. I call them and I pay it with the Visa debit card. And, you know, comes out, comes out about 24 to 48 hours later. Um, in terms of reconciling an actual bank account, unless you are using a multitude of checks, it probably doesn't need to be done more than once a month anymore. I distinctly remember my mother in the 80s and 90s, late 80s, early 90s, sitting down at her seat at the kitchen table and reconciling her checkbook weekly. Now, there's a few reasons why it's not as important. Again, like I said, we don't use checks, but also online banking is so much better than it used to be. But there's a caveat with that. Online banking is so much better than it used to be, but that also means that everyone and their freaking mother is on online banking and you are way more capable of being hacked and your money being stolen and your Venmo account being tapped into than you were several years ago. Yep. So yes, you still definitely need to reconcile it, but I unfortunately don't tell, you know, don't tell your students this. Unfortunately, at this point, you're pretty much just reconciling for errors at this point. Uh, yes. the, the online banking has gotten so... Uh, fluid. It, it's so dynamic. It, you can pretty much find and capture anything within 48 hours. Yeah. That, and that's, and that's funny because that's exactly what I told them is, you know, it, what, what we used to do it for and what you do it for today are completely different things. And it right. really is the errors, right? Or the fraud, really what it is. The example I gave was, you know, one time and uh, the way we do stuff in our, in our household is uh, I pay for the Netflix, James pays for the HBO. Right. And so I'm, I'm looking at my account and it says Netflix and it's, you know, Netflix, I think it's like $12.99 or $14.99, whatever it is. But there's a couple transactions here that say Netflix and it's like $7.63, you know, $19.72 and like weird dollar amounts. And so you know, I call Wells Fargo. I'm like, hey, what's going on? They're like, oh, no, those are fraudulent. They add them all up. Ends up being about 130 bucks worth of fraudulent fees, which I would have never caught if I don't sit down and go over my stuff, right? To actually look at the transactions. So, you know, making sure that you're in there doing that stuff is important because nobody is going to care about your money like you care about your money. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing. Now, what about freedom? What am I getting if I put in the time and the effort to sit down to my budget and, and stick to one, even though right now it might be tough, even though right now I'm going paycheck to paycheck and I'm struggling, why? sit down and, and buckle down and be disciplined. Oh, because once you know where all of your dollars are going and how much is supposed to go in here, it, the ability to be able to go into your bank account and say, whoa, 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 this is way too much in the Netflix category. But I know that off the top of my head. We've now eliminated fear of the unknown. 
because really, I hate, you know, and I don't know if you guys got this clip pulled up. We There's nothing else to fear except fear itself, right? Mm. We... It, it, we are so afraid of what we're going to find. That is the number one thing clients tell me in the first session. Full disclosure, guys, you work with me as a financial coach. The first session is going to be all about your spending for the last 30 days. <laughs> and we are going to find stuff. My favorite thing is when I start those sessions and they're like, I'm really scared. I'm really scared. I'm really scared. And four days later, after we've completed that first session, they are like, I found this subscription. I found this overcharge from Netflix. I found a duplicate Hulu, Hulu account. I found a clothing box that I haven't even received the physical products for for six months. And they are like slashing these subscriptions and finding these rogue charges. And they are like on fire to get rid of this stuff. The most I ever had was one client. Uh, probably 50 year old female living in San Diego. She had $225 a month in online dating and she hadn't logged onto the account in almost a year. And was she married already? <laughs> Did it work nope. out? <laughs> she had found, she had actually found a job that she loved and was passionate about. And she realized she was looking for kind of like love in the wrong place kind of thing. And she's like, I don't have, I haven't even logged onto these in like a year and I'm paying 200 and something dollars a month mm. for these things. And so that's like the excitement. But the problem is before we get to that point, we are horrified. We are scared to death of what we are going to find. And I bet you, if you asked your wife, like, Hey, how much do you think we spend a month on blah, 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 blah. She'd be like, I don't want to know because yeah. it's fear of the unknown. Not because she wants to stay ignorant. That's different. It's because she's like, you know, whoa, 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 we have this arrangement where you worry about that stuff. I don't really need to worry about that stuff. And that's fine because one of you is worried about it. One of you is the nerd. It's mm -hmm. when no one knows what's going on or we have a single person who has zero clue what's going on in their bank account. Forget about reconciling. They don't even know what gas costs right now. So it's really fear of the unknown and getting beyond that line in the sand. Yeah. And if you're a couple, it's also fear of uh, what were you actually spending? Where did you spend that money at? <laughs> That's right. It's worse. It's so much worse. It's going to be worse. It could be way worse, but then it's going to get better if you just sit down and do that stuff. All right, but so that's why you have fun money, right? That's why you guys have fun money. Because exactly. fun money, by definition, and you, you alluded to fun money earlier, and I don't know if everybody knows what that is. Fun money is the ability to come home, ladies, with a Lord and Taylor Nordstrom shopping bag or Macy, whatever the heck it is, anthropology, whatever, whatever brick and mortar store you're at right now and come home with three bags in your hand and your husband not ask you what the hell is in those bags. Because well, that's the definition of fun money. You're allowed to do with that fun money per month what you want to do. No questions right, asked. Right. We've established yeah. it. Yeah, and I'm still going to ask what's in those bags, but I don't care how you paid for it because you paid for it with your own money. Right. right, but it's That's not going to be like it's not, it's going to be like, hey, can you try that on? I want to see it on you. It's not going to yeah. be like, what is in the box? <laughs> <laughs> What's in the box? What's in the box? All right, Suzanne, look at that. Thirty minutes flew by. It always does. Uh, another fourteen months down the road, we'll do it again. <laughs> sure, I'll. I'm going to go in your calendar right now and sign up for it. <laughs> All right. Uh, before you head out, if people want to know a little bit more, get their finances in order, get themselves back down to zero, get them out of a hole, get them in a situation where they can move forward financially and have a, that little bit of confidence, maybe an awkward conversation here or there. But if they need the help, how can they get a hold of you? 
Yeah, gracefinancialcoaching.com, G-R-A-C-E, or at Grace Financial Coach on Instagram. We are in the middle of no spend September right now. So we are trying to spend as little money on our, you know, entertainment and miscellaneous as humanly possible. We're going to get into good shape leading into the holidays. Ooh, get a little bit of lean. Uh, you know, you, you might uh, not spend, which means you might shed some pounds because you're not eating fast food all the time. Because that's one of the big things that I know in my budget. I ate my money. I know that was that was a big thing for me when I started noticing it. Uh, so you might lose a few pounds, but your wallet will get a little fatter. So that's always a good thing. So make sure you guys check out Suzanne's stuff. Uh, go to gracefinancialcoaching.com and schedule an appointment. Have a conversation. It always helps. And you know, I'll tell you a quick story. You know, when I was uh, about 19 years old or so, my dad uh, hired a financial advisor to come to the house. And she sat down with us and we did exactly what Suzanne was talking about. She went through our bank statements. We looked at every 7-Eleven, every little thing that we bought. We looked at how bad our money habits were. And then we decided what we wanted to do. And what we wanted to do was to get our own place. James and I get our own place and, and move out. And by 20 years old, I was able to do that because there is a purpose in front of you. If you don't know what's going on in your life, and especially in your finances, how can you ever expect to go anywhere in the future? Right. So right. sit down, buckle up, and let's get it done. Suzanne, thank you very much for coming on the show again. We look forward to having you again. It's always a great conversation. All right, guys. Have a good one. All right, ladies and gents. That's all we got for you guys today. We'll see you guys on the flip side. Peace. And we're out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.